Well, Cedar Street, uh, as always, I love you very much, and it's a joy of my heart to be with you here this morning. As I said last week, we landed the plane on the first sermon series of the year as we finished the book of Malachi, and well, throughout most of the week, you know, I was praying, Lord, where, where would you have me to be in the Word? I think it's good to plan, but it's also good to be Spirit-led, and I'm going to tell you exactly what God did this week for me. He deeply convicted me that I need to teach what God is teaching me. And so for the next four weeks, I'm going to lead you through a series of passages that I have been chewing on in my own devotional time that God has been deeply convicting me of. And so what I preach, I'm praying also that God is going to help me to practice. All right, so I come to you as a co-laborer in Christ these next few weeks, not as someone who has mastered any of these things, but as someone who desperately needs to hear these things as well. The title of our sermon series is Weighing Our Words. We're going to be walking through the book of Proverbs uh, before Easter, looking at about four passages and different aspects of the power and the influence that God has given us through the spoken word in areas that we fall short and we need to guard against, in areas that we can ask God to give us grace. And that leads me to uh, the title of the message today and the first message of this series, The Righteous Who Restrain. The Righteous Who Restrain. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 17, verses 27 through 28. Okay, Proverbs 17, 27 through 28. And, uh, you know, I did some research. Here's what I found out. The average human being speaks between 7,000 to 20,000 words per day. Now, these are statistics. This is not my opinion. Statistically speaking, women are closer to the 20,000. And, and men are closer to the seven. That's statistics. That's not me. But I will say this, men. That's proof that you, we should not argue with ladies. They have twice as much experience as we do with words. All right? Here's the deal. Whether you speak 7,000 words or you speak 20,000 words, I want you to hear this passage right here. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 through 37, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. God has put great value on our words. Unspeakable value in our words. Words are going to judge us. Words are going to reward or condemn us. Words can build up or break down. So the words that we speak, every single one of them that comes off of our tongue has value. And as we're going to talk about here this morning, those who understand the ability to restrain things that don't need to be said to focus on the things that do, they're the ones that God is going to use in a mighty way. If I had to nail down our big idea in one sentence, here's what I'd say. When the righteous learn to restrain their words, they gain a greater in, eternal influence for the kingdom of God. Let me say it again. When the righteous learn to restrain their words, they gain a greater eternal influence for the kingdom of God. So, if you have a Bible, please turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We'll be on chapter 17, looking at verses 27 through 28. If you don't have a Bible, grab the Pew Bible in front of you. We'll be on page 641 in your Pew Bible. And if you would stand at this time, 
and the reverence of the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, and fully sufficient word. We're in Proverbs 17, again looking at verses 27 through 28. Hear God's word to us. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again we love you. We thank you and praise you for this day and Father, I confess you have been taking this message and pressing it deep into my heart since the beginning of this year. And so I, I stand before your people confessing that I need help with this. We need help with this. And so I pray according to the power of your spirit that you would open our eyes to see our need to restrain our words and then seek the power of your spirit to restrain those words for your glory and for our joy. Be with us now as we consider this precious truth and the impact that we can have for the kingdom or the damage that we'll make if we don't follow your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I look into the text, let me just say real quickly that this wisdom, while it applies to everyone, even those who are not Christian, I'm going to be obviously speaking and preaching through this passage through the lens of the Bible, through the lens of being a Christian, all right? Because we we don't restrain our words just for the sake of being short of speech. We restrain our words because we're Christian and we want to have impact for the kingdom of God with every word that we speak. So this is not just a let's watch our words. There's no power in that. This is a let's seek the Spirit of God to enable us to restrain things that don't need to be said so that we can have the power to say the things that do. Amen? And that's what we're going to be thinking about as we walk through the passage. And I want us to think real quickly about three benefits that the righteous will gain when they learn to restrain. Three benefits that the righteous will gain when they learn to restrain their words. Here's the first. Number one. The righteous who restrain will gain words of greater wisdom. Words of greater wisdom. Real simple. The first part of verse 27 says, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. Has knowledge. This means that restraining is not lacking words, but having wisdoms on on which words are necessary. It's amazing how some are so intentional and thoughtful about the things that they say, but the ones that speak the most typically are the most thoughtless about what they say. Things just kind of fall out of their mouth and they lose the ability to have influence and the wisdom is missing. But those that hold, hold on strong to their tongue and speak only what's necessary, that comes from a deep well and a deep pool of wisdom. And I'm going to tell you a place where wisdom is greatly lacking and I'm not going to hold anything back. Social media. There's a lie right now. Here's the lie. You have a voice and it needs to be heard. Your voice needs to be heard. You've got to stand up. You've got to build a platform and create a tribe. And people need to follow you. And you have got to be heard. False. Your freedom is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, your life is about Him. It's not that we don't have opinions. We all have them. 
And it's not that our words and our own thoughts are unimportant. It's just that they're not what's most important. And when we get on social media and go on these platforms and just feel like we've got to tell the world our opinion on everything from sports to politics to everything, it makes our word lose power because there's no wisdom in it. Sharing our opinion is not going to change lives. Sharing the gospel will. Because it comes from wisdom, the wisdom of God. And it's, it, here's an equation that you'll never, you'll never be able to disprove this equation. The longer someone speaks, the less intelligent and more self-centered they often become. The longer somebody speaks, first, less intelligent. If you speak long enough, you're going to say things you wish you didn't say. Guess what? I'm in the business of speaking, and there's many things I go home and say, why did I say that? The longer we talk, the more we show lack of wisdom. And the second is the longer we talk, the more we'll eventually become self-centered because we feel like we've got to say something so that people understand us and know us and we elevate ourselves instead of elevating Christ and elevating others. Not so with the person who restrains his words. They have knowledge. They say to themselves before they ever say a word, this is going to be helpful. I need to say this or you know what, I could, I, could, I could get by without saying this. This is not helpful to the situation. This will not edify anybody. They don't need to hear my opinion on this. And this is a person that restrains their words and has knowledge. It's the, you know, one of the famous quotes from William Shakespeare, brevity is the soul of wit. That's not even the Bible, that's Shakespeare, but it's true, it's truth. There's, there's wisdom in being able to be concise about what it is that we need to say. And something about silence develops wisdom in a way that nothing else does. When we, we go into a situation restraining what we want to say, that silence gives the Holy Spirit time to develop our minds and give us convictions about what is important and about what's not important. Sometimes we need to just be silent because it's in those silent moments that God develops our wisdom. Sometimes we don't let God speak. We're not silent enough to, to hear God or let God talk, and we never gain the wisdom that God wants to give to us. You know, and, and, and as we're, we're silent, He changes the heart, and out of the heart is where the words come. You know, my, um, my daughter, Wren, when we dedicated her, when Tony Pagliarillo preached uh, the dedication message here two years ago, he asked me to choose a passage, and I always ask when I do baby dedications, they choose a passage to dedicate to their child, and I've dedicated this passage to Ren Fulginetti, Psalm nineteen fourteen. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know, I'll say this. My daughter is one of the most talkative two-and-a-half-year-olds I've ever met. I am grateful that she's picked up language quickly, and she is a talker. Uh, she comes from talking stock, right? <laughs> but I want her words to matter. As she, as she grows and understands the God who created her and the Savior who laid His life down for her, that the meditation of her heart will birth out the words of her mouth that will honor God. It's so important that I dedicated that verse to her because I want that to be the rally cry for her life. And I want that for you. And I want that for me. The words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable to God. That's the cry of the psalmist. Now, this, this experience for me of 
learning greater wisdom and being short with my words. This has been a learning experience for me. Uh, I, I've been in communications my whole adult life. I started off as a journalist and a writer, and then I became a sportscaster. But I'll never forget something that uh, I had a, an editor when I was working for a newspaper in Statesboro when I was in college. The editor said, Bo, I, I enjoy your writing, but man, you have a lot to say. He said, you need to understand this. People like their words like they like pizza in small slices. You need to think about what you want to say and say it in smaller slices. Well, let me just say, the reason that people are like that is when you pick up a newspaper article, if you see 10 columns of text, your eyes will look right at it and go, Ugh, I'm not going to read that whole thing. Tell me what I need to know, right? Tell me what I need to know. Twitter's 140 characters or less, right? Because you got to tell me what I need to know. Well, why do we see it that way when we read, but we don't see it that way when we speak and listen? Because it's the same mentality. When we have things we say, we need to say them, and we need to get to the point and understand what's important to share and what's not important to share. Otherwise, we lose the opportunity to share true wisdom. So I'm not telling you as someone who's got this figured out, I'm praying God will help me as well. But we need to learn this, that the righteous who restrain will gain words of greater wisdom. Number two. The righteous who restrain will gain words of greater weight. Listen to the second part of verse 27. He who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Someone with a cool spirit, they're someone that has weight to what they say. And when they speak, people listen. All right, they, it comes from an understanding of the reality of their own limitations. Somebody with a cool spirit does not feel like the world will not continue to evolve without them sharing their opinion that the world will get by just fine without everyone knowing everything about what they think. They have a cool spirit. They're at peace. Their identity is rooted deeply in God, not in what people think. They don't need to be affirmed with a thousand likes on the Facebook page. They, they have a cool understanding. And they often attract attention because their words are so rare and meaningful. All right, this, the person that's always talking is not the person you typically go to for advice, right? It's almost the people that you got to bang down their door and seek out advice from them. They're the ones that we're wanting to learn from because we want to be, we want to find out how they got to be who they are, to have that cool spirit. And, you know, I was thinking in my own life of people that have greatly influenced me, people who've said a lot of words without saying any words at all. Uh, I'm going to share just a few. You'll know two of these, probably three actually. The first was uh, when I worked in uh, healthcare in northern Pennsylvania. There was a man named Wilson Santiago. He was a Puerto Rican American man. He was the custodian of the hospital, and he'd come in. I, I've always stayed late at the office trying to get things done, and um, he would come in and he'd say a few words, and they were always deep and meaningful to me. And we struck up a friendship, and it was a friendship based on him saying 10 words to me as he was changing out my trash bag, and then he'd come the next day and, and say 10 more words and 10 more words. And finally, I realized something. Every time this man spoke, he said in less than 10 words what he needed to say, and somehow he talked about Jesus every single time. It was amazing. And then he invited me over to his house, and I sat with his house. He had like, he had like nine family members in a two-bedroom house, and they sat me at the end of the table. I was like the honored guest. It was, I've never been so honored in all my life. They brought the best food out. Everyone surrounded me. Most of them didn't even speak English. But, I mean, they treated me with such love and respect. And I saw that his entire house was a bunch of talkers. But he, in his quiet smile on his face, 
There was such wisdom in that man. He didn't know a lot of English, so he had to choose his words carefully, but when he did, they had weight, and they meant so much to me. Another person I think about is, uh, most of you have met Pastor Steve, who's preached revival here. He's my pastor in North Carolina. He was part of the ordination council for Dave. Now, Steve's a cut-up. In, in some way, he's got a great sense of humor, and, and when he gets, especially when he gets tired, if we're on the phone or if, uh, times he's come down here, if, he's, if it's late at night and he's tired, he'll just start cracking joke after joke after joke. But I've noticed that when I've sought his counsel and I've been real serious about wanting to know something, he'll sit there in dead silence almost to the point where it feels awkward. And I'll look at him and be like, did you hear my question? And he'll just go, hmm, hmm. And in that whole time, he's letting the Spirit of God prompt him. He's not rushing to give me a quick answer on some theological truth he already knows. He's saying, God, give me words. Give me words. I've learned so much under his teaching the past few years at seminary before I came back. Now, let me talk about two people locally who've ministered to me. One of them is Billy Trapnell. Now, to be in the type of position that man was in, in all the years he served as the mayor of this town, I have never heard him waste a word ever i've never heard him back talk anybody i've never heard him try to defend himself when he was attacked i'm not saying he was always right i don't know this all the situations of every day he was mayor of Metter, but i'll tell you this that's a man of integrity because he made his words count i've never heard him waste words and every time i'm in his presence he'll say something that has has deep meaning to me and i just greatly appreciate him i greatly appreciate him i most people know I don't have a whole lot of uh, patience with politics, but there's a politician there that I greatly respect, greatly. And then there's one in this church, and I don't want to embarrass him. I mentioned his name on a Sunday night, but I'm going to tell you something. There's a man in this church named George Guiff, and most of you may not even know him, and he's been here for years, faithful, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. And I, and I would think to myself, I don't really know him that well. And then uh, maybe a year or two ago, was it two years ago? I think it was two years ago that he had the heart procedure and uh, went to his house on a weeknight. We sat at his table and talked. And and guess what? The Bible poured out of that man. I mean, that man knows the word of God. And I thought to myself, Jiminy Christmas, it's got to be teaching. And I said, you don't say a whole lot of church. And he said, because I'm not there to speak. I'm there to listen. And I was like, wow. There's a sermon right there. Didn't know I'd preach one here today, but it was just, it ministered to me. It really did. It ministered to me. And let me just tell you one last thing. A couple of weeks ago, Baptist Men's Day, uh, we asked David Sykes to come. And uh, he made one statement that, oh, it stuck on me. He talked about how he himself loves to speak and God silenced him because of voice problems and he had to be on voice rest. And while he was on voice rest, the doctors told him he could only speak 10 words per hour. And I remember when he said it, I'm sitting in the pew and I'm thinking, man, this is a good message. Our people need to hear this. And the Spirit of God said, no, Bo, you need to hear this. I thought, ouch. Really? I want you to stop and think. If God said to you, you get 10 words per hour, which words would you use? And if you were to be faithful to that, how impactful would those words be? It's like, all right, the hour's up. He's getting ready to say something, everybody. The words would have impact. They'd have meaning because you'd be using them with significance and with intention. 
instead of most of us today that just throw words around that don't mean anything and there's no weight to what we're saying. Everything we post on social media and the arguments that we get in and the opinions, we get, we get to church or we get to the grocery store and we just can't wait to tell people everything we believe about everything and it just is white noise. It has no power. It has no weight. It doesn't change anybody's life. It just makes them want to go down the other aisle when you're coming. All right, this is words of greater weight. Number three. Oh, I'm getting to this. All right. Uh, this is, will also lead to words of greater witness. Words of greater witness. The righteous who restrain will gain words of greater witness. Listen to verse 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Even the person who is not wise has garnered a reputation as being wise because they're not speaking all the time. Now, eventually a fool's going to open his or her mouth and they'll find out that they're not wise. But those who are willing to restrain their words, if they are a believer in Jesus Christ and they do have the Spirit of God, when they do open their mouth, they're going to be a powerful witness for the Lord. And our words will always be attached to our witness. Always. And that's why Jesus said in the passage I read in Matthew, you're going to be judged for every careless word that you utter because it affects the way that you witness. There are some people, now granted, everyone's responsible for their own walk with God, but there are some people who, wanting to know more about Christ, openly reject Christianity because their only version of Christianity has been what's been coming out of your mouth or my mouth. Let my mouth be a testimony that would make somebody want to follow Jesus and not somebody that would say, if he's a Christian, I want no part of that. Our mouth is such a testimony. And we have more impact when we make our words few and we make them count for the kingdom of God. Now, I will say this. We can also lose our witness when we remain silent and don't speak up when we need to. Okay? Some of you introverts in this room are like, amen, he's preaching my gospel today because you're just not a talker. So there is a time that we need to speak up. We need to share the good news. This morning in our deacons meeting, we spent a half an hour talking about how we as a church need to be a gospel-focused church, that the main message of everything that we do is the gospel of Jesus Christ, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his supernatural resurrection, his heavenly ascension, and his second coming. You need the gospel to be saved, and you need the gospel to live every day of your life as a Christian. So we need to share the gospel in our actions and in our words. However, I will say this. Most of us, the problem is not that we're not sharing enough. The problem is we're sharing too much and we're sharing the wrong thing. And we have no witness. Now again, I'll put myself on the chopping block here. I'll share a story where I made one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made. And this was the year before I became a Christian. I was working in California for a baseball team. And um, we had a policy at the team that I worked for. It was a no fraternization policy. We had to sign a piece of paper saying that we wouldn't date other staff members because it just created chaos. Well, we all signed the paper, but a month later, the assistant general manager started dating one of the interns. Office gossip. Nobody said anything for weeks and even months. And then one day, the general manager of the team resigned, and he was moving back to the East Coast, and we had a going-away party for him. 
well, I wrongly assumed that he and everyone else already knew the office gossip. And so he said, any final words for me as I get ready? And I said, well, let's just say we'll send you the wedding invitations. And he said, to what? I said, to to the relationship that everybody knows about. The next day, I found out that everyone did not know about that relationship. And the girl in that relationship came storming out of her office, got in, I mean, just got within two inches of my face and says, I will never speak to you again. That was in May. The season ended in September, and she held her word. If she spoke 20,000 words a day, she didn't speak one to me. And you know what? There's a part of her that had a right to do that. It wasn't my business. But it was, it was so entertaining. It was such a, a fun thing to say in the moment to garner attention. And again, I could say, well, I wasn't a Christian then, but that's just an excuse. At the end of the day, I lost my witness. I lost my opportunity to get to know her and to have any influence on that whole staff. For the rest of the year, I was just known as the guy that couldn't keep his mouth quiet. I never want to be that person again, ever. And I don't want you to be known as those people. Our mouth is so important, so very important. And I'm going to get some chuckles out of this, but I'm not saying this for people to laugh. Every church and every organization has people who cannot stay quiet, and the immediate reaction is people want to avoid you. When they see you coming into church, they make excuses to go to the bathroom. When they see you at the grocery store, they go down an aisle with food they have no interest in, all right? Because they know as soon as, soon as they see you, you're just going to spew whatever you're thinking on them. There's no discernment about what you're saying. It's not glorifying God. It's not edifying them. It's just making you the center of the world. And they're tired of you being the center of the world. They don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want that for anyone in this room. I don't want that for myself because I want us to be a witness for the kingdom of God. I want our tongues to be a powerful tool that God can use. And that when we speak, man, it just has weight and a witness and it's powerful. Now, some of us, I said, are introverts and we never talk. Some of us are extroverts and we're wired to talk. And God made you that way. So I am going to say there are certain people in this room. I am one of those people. Talking is going to be a part of how I'm wired. But let me say this. That may explain me, but that doesn't excuse me. And that may explain you. That doesn't excuse you. If you're the type of person that says, well, I put my foot in my mouth all the time. It's just a part of who I am. That doesn't excuse you. Your mouth has got to be harnessed for the glory of God. And God will bless it if you are willing to seek the power of the Spirit to do it. All right, here's a simple truth. We have two ears and one mouth for a single reason. We ought to be listening twice as much as we speak. And then, let me just say a biblical truth. Why is it that God gave us a tongue and a mouth? I'd say primarily, our tongues were given to us to glorify God and to bless others. That is the primary way God has given you the gift of oral communication. He wants you to use that tongue to praise and glorify Him as your Creator. And then He wants you to use words to bless other people. I mean, what if you woke up other day, to every day and said, how can I choose the right words to simply bless another person today? What a witness that will be for the kingdom of God. 
It goes, it goes, it's, it's a lot deeper than just being a good person. It is being a witness to Jesus Christ. And that leads me to Christ as we get ready to sum this up. All right, as the righteous who restrain will gain words of greater wisdom, greater weight, and greater witness. If I could summarize all this as we see Christ in this passage, I would say this. The righteous who restrain their words uniquely reflect Jesus Christ who spoke only what he was sent to speak. All right, let me say that again. The righteous who restrain their words uniquely reflect Jesus Christ who spoke only what he was sent to speak. How do I know that? Here's how I know it. John chapter 12, verse 29. Here's what Jesus says. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. You want to know one of the miracles of Jesus? I mean, this is just beyond human comprehension. Jesus lived on the earth for what we would believe would be about 33 years of of human existence. He always existed eternally as the Son of God, but as the incarnated Son of God in human flesh, we believe He was on this earth for a little over three decades. I want you to think about this. In 33 years of earthly life, Jesus didn't waste one word. Not a single word. For the 20,000 words that we speak a day, multiplying that times 30, none of those words were ever wasted. He spoke only what the Father gave him to speak. I bet even before he opened his mouth, he drew attention in the synagogue. He drew attention to himself in the marketplaces. Because as the rabbis would get up and love to hear themselves talk for hours on end about the Torah, when he got up to speak, he had something to say, and he said it. And he angered people, too, because they weren't ready for it. But he spoke truth, and he spoke it with grace. And he never wasted a word. And the, the thing is, that's his mission. And we're called to take up our cross and follow him in that mission. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a mission to follow Christ. Christ is not only God in human flesh, he's not only perfect as God, but he's also the perfect display of who, who human beings should be. So we need to try to emulate Christ as we follow Christ. If you're a Christian, you need to be as Christ is. Someone who uses words for His glory. All right? And we need to understand we can't do this on our own power. If you need God's grace to be saved, you need God's grace to be changed. It's the Spirit of God inside the person of God along with the Word of God that will reflect the Son of God. You need the Spirit of God to help you to have control over your tongue. The book of James, we're going to look at this in a a few weeks, the book of James said that the tongue is the toughest muscle to to restrain. I mean, it's like a horse without a bit in its mouth. It's like a ship without a rudder. I mean, we can't control it. In your own power, you can't. If you're hearing my voice right now and you're not a Christian, what I'm saying to you is pointless because there's no way that you're going to leave here today and have control over your tongue. It won't happen. But all things are possible with God. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you have received His Holy Spirit and He's changing you and molding you from the inside out, you have the power to change and you have the power to to earn a reputation where your words will have meaning and have weight and your witness will be restored by the things that you say and the things that you don't say. Our words are so important. I want you to think about the most important words that you've ever uttered, ever, if you're a Christian. 
Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and with it is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I want that to be the springboard to our invitation here this morning. God gave you incredible significance with your words. You can speak words of life or words of death. You can build up or you can tear down. You can condemn or you can be saved. If you're in this room right now and you've never responded to Romans 10, you've never confessed with your mouth that Christ is Lord, coming from a belief in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you can actually... Speak those words in prayer to God and at this day, be saved. You'll never speak more powerful words the rest of your life. But maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you have spoken those words and truly been saved and received the Holy Spirit. Well, let me say on the authority of the Word of God, knowing the work that the Spirit of God wants to do, He wants to guide you into restraining your words. You know how I know that? Because that's where he's guiding me into right now as well. Yeah, do I want to be a pastor who learns to preach a sermon in a shorter period of time? Sometimes, yeah. All right, let me just say this. There are sometimes people want me to land the plane because your priorities are out of order and you want to get to lunch and you don't want to be condemned. You don't want to be convicted. The Spirit of God is all over you and you just want to get out of here and go to lunch. But there are sometimes I could learn to land the plane a little bit earlier. So guess what? I'm talking to me. I need to do some work on me. I need to restrain my mouth. I need to be able to say what I need to say in shorter words. But so do you. So do you. So if you are a Christian, maybe as we enter into a time of invitation that you would seek God and ask Him, God, what words am I using that are honoring you and help me to be bold in sharing those? And what words am I, am I, am I speaking out? What opinions am I sharing that are not helpful? that I need to repent of and just restrain. And by your Spirit, God, would you help me to restrain my words? The righteous who restrain will gain a great standing in the kingdom of God. And that's what I pray for myself and I pray for all of us here this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I confess you have been all over me about this in my devotional time this month. And there's just a lack of power when I, I'm too wordy. And I pray that you help me to get to the point and to hold back things that are not helpful and to be bold in speaking the things that are. And I know that I can't do that in my own power, but only by the power and grace of God through your Spirit. And I just pray that your Spirit will embolden me to be a man of restraint. And as I am, I pray our people will be. Your people, your flock, your sheep. I pray that the people in this room will be known by the power of their words that are chosen carefully for your glory and for other people's blessing. And if there's anybody in this room who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, who does not know the sins that they've committed both by the words they've spoken and by the things that they've done, 
and does not know that Jesus, who spoke perfectly and lived perfectly, earned our righteousness and died sacrificially, taking on the punishment for our useless words. He made a way from death to life that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we can be saved. I pray they'd confess with their mouth today and cry out to Jesus, save me, and that salvation would come to this house here this morning. Be with us and help us to use our mouths to glorify you, bless others, and expand the kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen.